You're listening to the Next Exec Podcast Series with Executive Women's Forum. In this episode, Ashley chats with InHealth, a Senior Director of Information Security Engineering at BD. With healthcare at the forefront of current events, our guests delve into the nuances of the medical device industry. InHealth also provides actionable advice about career transitions, navigating the workplace, and other lessons learned from her experiences in the field. Hello, Inhel. Welcome to our Day in a Life podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today about medical device security. Hey, Ashley. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Before we get into the details on your path to success, do you want to give us a little background on yourself and how you ended up where you are today? Yes. Yeah, so I am currently the Senior Director of Information Security at BD. So BD is a global medical technology company that is advancing the world of health by improving medical discovery, diagnostic, and the delivery of care. So I currently lead all information security engineering initiative for IT, BD product, manufacturing, OT, and R&D. So it's a, I have a large portfolio at BD. Before joining BD, I was the Director of Health Technology Security at MedStar Health. I spent the prior part of my career in HGU. So at MedStar Health, I founded the first program of medical device security, medical IoT and IoT security. And so before moving into information security, I was actually more in healthcare technology management, like clinical engineering. I was also a clinical engineering manager where I I managed the uh, clinical engineering operation and I managed service engineers and imaging engineers. So I am CSM certified. So I pursued my education in Canada where I received my bachelor's degree in computer engineering from Laval University and master's degree in biomedical engineering from Polytechnic School of Montreal. So outside of work, I am a mom of two boys, a 10-year-old and a four-year-old. And actually, I did my last transition after the pandemic started, when things start getting escalated. That's awesome. So you mentioned that before you got into information security, you worked in clinical engineering, biomedical engineering. What influenced you to make the leap into information security? Yeah, I was a clinical engineering manager at Georgetown, and I worked as a clinical engineer for several years, both in Canada and here in Maryland at University of Maryland Medical Center. What interests me, it was something that, you know, I was open to opportunities and the field, you know, started evolving at the time. Medical device security became a subject where healthcare delivery organizations started to want to solve how to secure all those medical devices that they have on the network. So the big leap started way before I took the director, like the, the transition started. I started getting, working with the CISO at University of Maryland Medical Center, sitting on the IT security committee, building the security program for medical devices at University of Medical Center. And then when I went into MedStar Georgetown as a clinical engineering manager, I continued that work with the CISO at the time. But the big transition happened when WannaCry ransomware happened. So the opportunity came up for me to be the director of health technology security and found the first program of medical device and IoT security there. It was definitely something that, you know, piqued my interest. 
they wanted someone with my clinical engineering background, with my expertise of understanding clinical workflow, someone who've worked with clinician, with world renewed surgeon who have done, you know, cut and edge surgery, like bypass, coronary, minimally invasive coronary bypass surgery and face transplant. But then they wanted also someone who can bring that unique perspective into the program. And so far, you know, so I took on the role and that's how my journey started in information security. That's awesome. I find it crazy that your big transition happens, you know, around the time of WannaCry. I was a sophomore in college when WannaCry <laughs> uh, hit the news. And as someone who was starting to pursue an education surrounding cybersecurity, it was just crazy to see, you know, that huge story hit the news. So, but even, you know, Besides that, when you're talking about medical device security, it just seems like a very rewarding job. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah, actually, I was just going to mention like definitely like the WannaCry was a turning point in medical device security because it was the first like public event security like incident that happened on a medical device. So it definitely shaped the industry from there. On, so absolutely huge, <laughs> huge for sure. Yeah. So what made you equipped for taking on a job that was so different from your previous role? So I think it was more about I'm willing to take risks and go outside of my comfort zone. Like I think I asked myself the question, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? I remember when the opportunity came up and I was like, oh, can I really do it? It was definitely scary because you have to catch up with all that you know, you have what you know, you bring in the knowledge, but you also have in mind what you don't know. And the learning curve seems quite terrifying at first. So, but I had trust in my ability to learn. So even within clinical engineering, I went from working in bringing new technology and working with, you know, top surgeons and clinicians into managing the service side, and which is something I haven't done before. But I've also learned so quickly from some of our CISU who helped me, who like brought me, who introduced me into the field. So I knew that I have trust in my ability to learn. But I also know that one characteristic is important to have is that using failure as an opportunity to learn and take yourself to the next step. A lot of times, I think we women, we are afraid of when we take a job, we want to be 100% qualified for it, where we want to be able to trust. I think it's trust that you can learn at the job, like really trust that really strongly, but also have a support network around you that pushes you to, that encourages you to go above your comfort zone. And then also in knowing, having the tool in place to make most of your transition and ensure your success. I think one of the things that really helped me when I joined is being transparent about what I know and what I didn't know. And taking, being very proactive, set the learning self, learning plan for yourself. Obviously, I was a director, so that's something that's expected of me. And being someone who takes lots of pride into their expertise and knowledge, I had to accept the fact that I won't be the smartest person for a while, that I would need to rely on my team and my peers and others and that I need to excel at bringing people together to get the best product or decision. And I think one of the, actually, like something to keep in mind when you're taking on a big transition 
is that you need to start demonstrating the skills you were hired for right away. So I knew, for example, when I took on the role of director of health technology security, I knew that I bring in unique expertise, like the team was excited to have me because I can demystify some of the things I can give them when it comes to remediation, I can take into account the clinical workflow. So like those skills demonstrate that in a way. And also at BD, like I bring like the customer perspective. I've been a customer of BD for so long and the team really values that. And I see the value in what I bring in here, but also get rid of that imposter syndrome. Don't let it get in the way. I think it's and also once in a while, it will be good to, you might need to remind your boss why he hired you. So yeah, I mean, I think that's really like an, in summary, like we should really embrace and transition and what really skills or principles you should have in mind when you go into big transition like that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. Personally, I find this part of your story and transition so inspiring. You mentioned how transitions, well, for me at least, transitions are often sometimes associated with being uncomfortable and learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable is something I'm still working towards. So hearing you talk through that was super inspiring. And then also you talked about being able to accept the fact that you aren't always the smartest person in the room and being transparent with yourself on where you still have room to learn is imperative. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. One thing I tell also the the people I mentor or I coach along the way is that if you're too comfortable, then you're not learning. I think it's getting people who advance in career is because they get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I could not agree more. That is so true. But they also gain skills to accelerate their learning curve. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, if it's okay with you, I'd like to switch gears and start talking a little bit more about networking, if that's good with you. Yeah, sounds good. So you mentioned that part of the reason you ended up where you are today is because, you know, you were at the right place at the right time, in addition to being open to the possibilities and opportunities. And as we just talked about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. So how has networking influenced your career growth? And what advice can you share for anyone listening to this podcast? I think the one thing to keep in mind is you are what your like your network is, your relationship. Your relationship around you are everything. Your relationship with your peers, with your direct report, with your leadership at your company, with the folks you meet along the industry. And by networking, you learn about niche careers. I wouldn't have learned about medical device security if I hadn't networked with, you know, Mayo Clinic and those who were at the time like really reading the field. And also, you know, I was going to conferences, also going to industry events and meeting people. And when you meet folks, you, I think it's meeting them and relationship building. So when you evaluate your network, you evaluate, okay, so this person I just met, you need to maintain those relationships. You need to bring something to the table to those, the people you network with. And until you build, you go into a stage where, okay, yeah, that person can really vouch for me for that job or that person I can really reach out to when I need something. But I know that person can really recommend me for a job, but you don't get that overnight. And I think don't network with someone and just say, ask for a favor. I think it's when you network, you should not have any expectation 
to have anything in return, but mostly network so you can help people around you. So you can bring something to them. And over time, you know, the, the, they will help you, I think. And also, for example, and it's very particularly important for women, like those who rose the corporate ladder is because they have people and even for men as well is because they have people bring them along, like help them move up along the way. And I think it's when you get people who also it's given that back, sometimes it's easier to when you're hiring, perhaps you you will look for someone who's done that before, but I, you know, giving it back and help someone else rise. So don't discount how important relationships are in your career. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Focus on building the relationship and then all of the perks of that relationship, you know, just kind of follow rather than networking for the sole purpose of finding the benefit for your career of talking to that individual. I could not agree more. So do you have any specific advice that you have for women when it comes to gaining mentors and sponsors? Yeah, I think it took me some time to learn this one, but you know, mentors are, women's need sponsors in the job. Like if you're serious about advancing in your company, you need to have sponsors who are able, which is senior leaders who are able to, who can vouch for, who can, you know, speak about your potential, who are willing to help you, who bring your name in, in those high level meetings and who can help you get those opportunities. That's extremely important. If you're serious about wanting to climb the corporate rather in your company, ask yourself, do you have sponsors in your company? And the way to get sponsors is not by asking someone to be your sponsor, but it's by, you know, building those relationships. You work with the, with the senior leader, you help them something and you, you really, you help them get something, you ask for advice, but then you build that. But then like there is mentors, mentors are good also, but mentors are just going to help you build your skills. And it's the same way. So you don't approach someone and say, do you want to be my mentor? Like you, you have a senior leader in a company. You can say you can, when you work with them, you did a fantastic job. And then you say, oh, I need like this advice and something. And then, you know, over time, next thing you know, they are already invested in your career and they mentor you. So it's important to, you know, keep that in mind. Like you can just walk to someone and be my mentor. And I think that's a mistake that a lot make. That makes a lot of sense. Let it just come naturally rather than trying to force it. That's great advice. All right. Well, I know we've talked a lot about transition and networking, but I really want to get back to the medical device security. And I have three questions that I'd really like to zoom in on and get your expertise in if that's good with you. Absolutely, Ashley. That's where my passion sits. All right. So let's start with this. What makes medical device security more complicated than other industries? This is a really good question. Healthcare is among the top industries that are targeted by cyber criminals. And therefore, you know, at BD, our job is not only securing our medical devices, but also protecting our customers and patients. In other words, we need to design secure by design devices that will stay secure uh, throughout their life cycle when deployed at the HGU. A good example is we share the BD cybersecurity framework publicly so other medical device manufacturers can apply it. In fact, it's part of the Healthcare Coordinating Council, MedTech, and Health IT Joint Security Plan. That's very interesting. What excites you about medical device security in particular? Yeah, I'm a firm believer that if your work doesn't energize you 
and doesn't make you feel you're making a difference, other things in life will become a high priority. Your kids will become more interesting. Your hobby will become more interesting. So for me, healthcare is, like I said, is really a calling. There is a patient at the end of, of what we do. So because that, that's the reason why healthcare is a calling. I grew up in a healthcare family. My father is a doctor. My mother is a nurse. My brother is an anesthesiologist. Yeah, my other brother is a pharmacist. So uh, growing up around the table, you know, we've had discussion about healthcare and then the cases that my dad uh, used to handle what my mom covered at the hospital. But medical device security is really a new field. And what I like about it is that you can participate to shape the industry by internal and external advocacy by participating in the industry group. For example, I am the co-chair of 5G working group, MDIC working group, whose mission is to facilitate the adoption of novel 5G technology in healthcare. And I'm also the part of the MDIC penetration testing group. And then the other group I'm part of is the legacy group of the Healthcare Sector Coordinating Council. Given my unique experience, my dual experience, both in MDM and HDO, my intention is to contribute and make an impact in the industry, advancing the field of medical device security. That's awesome. I think everyone listening can hear the passion you have. And honestly, it's no wonder you really are making a difference since I'm sure it's extremely rewarding to have the patient at the end of everything you are doing. So thank you for that. One final question for you. Why is collaboration and transparency so important when it comes to medical device security? Yeah, I mean, it's very important because, you know, you can't at BD, for example, like we believe collaboration is essential and we work closely with our customers to ensure our product are used in a secure environment. So we secure our device, but we work with our customers to make sure that, you know, they are in a secure environment. So it's really like a collaboration between MDM and HGO. So I used to be a BD customer. So I know firsthand why this is important. BD provides best practices such as network segmentation and more. And also transparency is essential. I know firsthand because I was a customer. I knew that I know that why it's important because you cannot protect what you don't know simple as that unfortunately to this day only a few medical device manufacturers perform coordinated vulnerability disclosure on their product so i would like for medical device vulnerability to become not a taboo subject and then at bd for example we launch because we value transparency because we value our customers we launched the cybersecurity trust center to give customers a single source where they can find all the BD cybersecurity content. So when cybersecurity vulnerability emerge within our product or third-party components, we provide guidance so customers can manage potential risk properly. So ensure that's why collaboration and transparency is important. Absolutely. I think those are two very important characteristics in all of security. So thank you for letting me ask some of those deep dive questions into medical device security. I know I learned a lot from this conversation and I'm sure many listening feel the same way. So in closing, do you have any remarks or words of wisdom that you want to leave anyone listening with? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. You know, I think it's it's important to first be a lifelong learner, never stop learning, continue learning on your own pace, whether it's through podcast or through reading and also, if you make sure that you have an expertise, particularly in technology, 
you want to make sure that you have a specific expertise you are known for, whether it's, for example, for me, it's my experience of, you know, being a clinical engineer, working on medical device managing service, and now working medical device manufacturer. It's important that you have an expertise in your field, like for your software development, perhaps application development. But also, I think it's important to seize opportunities that come along the way, like being open, even when the timing is not right. I wouldn't be where I was today if I didn't take these couple of transitions recently. One, like the three transitions that I have today, but the first transition to become the clinical engineering manager was when I was expecting a child. And I learned when I, after like the interview, and when you transition a job in the middle of, you, you know, your, to a new job, you don't always have, you don't have the benefits that comes with it. So I knew that that was a risk that I needed to take. The moment was not perfect, but I also have, you know, savings along the way that allowed me to take this risk. So I think it's important to, to have that in mind. Also, when I did the transition to become director of senior director for information security at BD, it was when the, COVID started escalating situation as well. And it was risky move at that time. It was safer to stay where I was, but I knew I could take that risk. I knew I trusted that I will have the support system around me to make sure that, you know, I will be successful. So I think it's making sure that you focus your energy on not try to do everything, but focus on your energy where your skills are needed. Oh, what's important. So focus your energy and, and delegate everything else. So delegation is key. And then I think also make sure that you keep an eye open for the people that come your way in your career. Sometimes you meet someone at a conference and then they will show up three years later with an opportunity, with a dream opportunity. So keep your eyes open to those people around you that come your way that want to lift you up. And then last but not least, don't let anyone tell you you cannot do something. It's really important that, but I think the, the real question is, are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to be uncomfortable? Are you willing to take risks? Have you prepped yourself to success that, you know, even if you take that risk, you're able like to, you know, to, to survive. And if it's, it's not a good opportunity, are you able to survive until like you find the next best opportunity. Definitely. Sounds like willingness is key to success. Well, thank you so much, Inhal. You truly have had so much wisdom to share with us. I've loved getting to hear more about your journey to medical device security and thriving during transitions. And we've loved getting to have you on our podcast today. Thank you, Ashley. I value what the Executive Women Forum is doing. I think it's a genius. It's a great source. It's a great sisterhood. I thank you for this opportunity. 